Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Westendorf, and welcome to Great Questions, Great Conversations podcast here at St. Paul's and the Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Uh, I am joined today with my partner and uh, pastor, Pete Panitsky, who uh, is in a classroom and is going to be a big part of where our conversation is going to go today, as we're going to be talking a little bit about um, uh, the pastorate, um, training, um, he's uh, at the seminary. I'll let you talk about it in just a second, Pete. But I'm excited to see where this conversation is going to go, because if you've ever wondered about what makes Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod pastors uh, special and unique when it comes to global Christianity, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So, Pastor Pete, good morning. How are you doing? I am doing great, uh, Mike. I am uh, enjoying uh, some time at the seminary. Uh, if you're watching, uh, this on YouTube, you can see some, from some frame pictures behind me. Uh, so I'm in one of the classrooms and here at the seminary, um, every year, uh, all the seminary grads are, their picture is taken. And then in the center is the, the faculty that served the the seminary grads Mm -hmm. and these huge frames are all over uh, the classroom building. Uh, and uh, right behind me is, is uh, 1988 and 1989. Uh, over to my right is 1983 graduates. Uh, I graduated in 1982. Uh, I was telling Mike beforehand that <laughs> I think my graduating class has moved upstairs because the older you get, the closer you get to heaven. That's right. Uh, so... So yeah, it, it, uh, I'm here for a conference and just taking a few minutes just to talk with you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Pastor Pete, I, I'd like to start with the question of, um, in my travels, and in you know, you get a, I get a chance to talk to a lot of different people. I'm a history guy, like you're a history guy. Um, one, of the, I remember somebody saying that one of the things that makes us unique is that our our Wells pastors, because of the curriculum, because of the expectation and the rigor, particularly of the languages, um, our our pastors are oftentimes some of the best trained theologians um, in our country, and uh, you might even argue in the, on, on the planet. Not that everybody's a theologian and going to teach, you know, at, at a seminary, mm-hmm. but what we require is pretty significant. So, could you talk a little bit about? What makes a Wells pastor unique when it comes to training uh, and maybe a bit of a comparison in some of the other spaces in American Great. Christianity? Um, so a, a large part of our training as a pastor is the original languages of the Bible. Um, so Greek for the New Testament and Hebrew for the Old Testament. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, churches that don't require that, or seminaries that don't require that, or especially don't require Hebrew. Uh, Hebrew is a little harder to learn, uh, and you know, so you may have some Greek, but but for us, uh, we spend about four years of class classes at the college level studying Greek, and then you study Greek all the way through the seminary. Uh, and then you're reading out of the biblical text. And, and to be honest, I, I use my Greek every day when I read, do my daily Bible reading. Uh, I, really? I, I read the New Testament 
uh, lesson in Greek. Uh, unless it's some really hard Greek, then I then I bail and make it easy, read the English easier. But but uh, keeping that fresh uh, uh, and Hebrew, trying to use the Hebrew as much as possible as well, uh, so that just this morning is in my reading, um, I, I could mention in my devotional email that uh, where it says that they were bringing babies to Jesus. You know, I recognized that word breathless and went, that's the same word that uh, is used for Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, the newborn baby. So they were bringing tiny infants to Jesus to, to lay his hands on them. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And, you know, that gives you an insight that that maybe wouldn't get just because it says babies, you know, well, how old? Um, oh, I, I know that that Greek word can go all the way back to, you know, a newborn baby. Mm. So just things like that. Um, uh, recently, I was uh, reading in uh, the Psalms. And Psalm uh, 1 talks about meditating on God's word. Right. And then I read Psalm 2 and realized it's the same Hebrew word for plot. So meditate or plot. You can positively think about stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Chew on it is the illustration I used. Right. Or you can chew on something negative. You know, you can be angry about something and and. And how what God wants us to do is if you're going to think about something, chew on something, think about God's word rather than, you know, being frustrated and angry about something else. So so a lot of the word study that I get is just, you know, I'm reading this and going, I remember that word. Yeah. So that's Um, that's a big part is just the language background. The. um. And we'll, and we'll come back to the question. I want to stay in the language one just for a second. Um, thinking back to when you were uh, fresh out of the seminary and and you didn't have the command of language that, that you do today, um, what are the, um, the, the inspirations to continue in that? I mean, I, I took Latin for two years in high school because my mom and dad thought, well, just in case you want to be a pastor— I wanted to be a meteorologist and I knew God would work me into the church somehow. And sure enough, he did. There you go. But yep. I, you know, the only Latin I can remember is ego to amat because I was trying to prove to my mom and dad that Latin is not a romantic language. Ego to amat is, I love you. And I couldn't imagine saying that to my girlfriend or my wife one day, ego to amat, you know, just so I forgot the rest of the Latin. Um, my wife has a degree in Spanish, um, but she has talked about that idea too, that if you don't use it, you lose quite a bit of it. So, you know, in your time, uh, what were some of the things that helped you stay in it so that you would have it, have it what you have today? Right. And, and I, you know, I would say sadly, you know, for an awful lot of pastors in our church body too, you know, Latin, uh, the language is are not a forte for them. Mm-hmm. And so they gradually lose it. You know, that, that's certainly true. Uh, and for them, then probably it's much more, I can read a commentary that references some Greek grammar or a Greek word, and I can understand the the commentary oh, and okay. kind of have a conversation. You know, that's why you read a commentary. It's really a conversation. 
Mm. A commentary is not, this is what the Bible means. A commentary is you are having a conversation with somebody else who wrote it down and going, hmm, that's just what this person thinks this text means. Now I, I need to think it through and say, do I agree with that? Right. So it's, it's not I'm reading a commentary saying this is the truth. It's this is what somebody is thinking about this. Helps me think about it in maybe a different way. And I can I, think, you know, so. And, I, and, I, go, yeah, go ahead. I think that that's really important what you just said, because I'm looking at my Passion Bible. I'm thinking about my wife's study Bible. And so many of those have notes um, right. in there. And, and they're very, oftentimes they're very helpful. But what you just said still says something about, yeah, it's, but it's a, com- it's a conversation. Uh, yeah. I'm, so I'm kinda, you should go, you should go further into this because I could see, I could see a potential danger of, oh, this is what God's word said. And this is what the commentary says. And I hold it at equal value. Right. Right. Uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I don't like to use a Bible with notes, with commentary, mm-hmm. because it's just so easy to look at it right away. Yeah. Uh, what you really want to do and what we're trained to do. So not only do we study uh, the languages, but we also study about sermon delivery uh, and sermon preparation. And what we're trained to do is to read yourself you know, to understand the text to the best of your ability. So read the English, read the context, work your way through the original language, and then read the commentary so that you have some of your own thoughts so that you can have that conversation, right? Yeah. Because if once you read something, it's hard to think of something different. That's you know, so, so good. Yeah, so, so uh, I... I the Bible that I use all the time does not have any notes on it, uh, except mine that I've written in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why. And then I can go and look at a commentary if I've got questions. That's and, really- and to be honest, the longer I get, the, the the less I look at commentaries. Early on, I, I read every commentary that I could possibly read when I was doing a yep. Bible study or a sermon text. And now, you know, I, I've, I've read this, some of this stuff so many times that that a lot of that commentary is already in my head. It's really interesting to have you put it that way. And that's, that. this is not, this is a Bible reading thing I hadn't thought about. So in the, in the field of meteorology, you know, so how do you make a forecast? Right. And, and so the temptation for a lot of our young students is I'm going to go and see what the models say, because, and, 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 the way that I, I I have to remind them, and I guess this is from a meteorology standpoint, not necessarily a scripture standpoint, but maybe it is also an application to, to reading commentary, but the models are lying. They're trying to tell you a convincing picture that are taken on observations, which are solid, but not perfect equations that are, are modified so that we can actually get the data sets in time to make something of them. And so a lot of times what younger students will do is they will make um, they will go right to the models to see what is tomorrow's weather risk going to look like. And mm-hmm. we'll always try to caution them, don't you never start there. You start with the theory that you have in your head and the education that you have, and then you look at observations, you look at radar, because radar shows you that there's enough air going up to create stuff to fall down. And then you look at satellite because before you get rain, you have to have a cloud, and then you look at observations. And the last thing you do is if you have a solid understanding of what's happening right now, 
it's going to tell you and give you a hint as far as where the models are cheating, where their bias is, um, where they're where they may be taking you off the beaten path. And so anytime we talk about the future, it's always probability and possibility. Mm-hmm. But those pictures are so convincing. You know, an image tells a thousand words. It's hard to get that out of your head if you already looked at that. And now you're going to read into the observations what you saw the forecast model tell you is true, which it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you, you mentioned that the picture is so convincing. Mm-hmm. So another way to study the Bible is to enjoy some of the great videos that are, you know, like right now, the chosen yeah. is trying to bring the biblical uh, accounts to life. Right. Which is great. Uh, the trouble is, if you really don't know the biblical text well, yeah. um, the stories are so powerful, the, the visual is so powerful that you will, it will almost be impossible for you to read the text without thinking and seeing that imagery in what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the chosen, for example, or or, or really any Bible, e- even some of the videos that that just the Ten record, Commandments, Moses. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or or where I was thinking, like some of the gospels are word for word, like there's a John's gospel that oh yeah, it's yeah. it's narrated and somebody's acting it out. And it's it's exactly God's word, but right. God's word doesn't tell you what did the look, what look did Jesus have on his face? Right. And how did the disciples react? What was their facial expression? And obviously actors and directors have to make some of that stuff up because that's what you, you know, it's a visual presentation. Right. And they're trying, you know, they're trying to be honest, you know, like, you know, people who make your the the models they're trying their best right but they have to make assumptions yes they do and and once you see somebody else's assumption it's hard to have your own independent judgment and assumption so it's not don't get me wrong it, you know the it, this is opening up the bible to an awful lot of people god be praised right but but just be recognized that uh, as I watch, I need to be trying to read as much as I can so that as I, as I watch, I'm going, yeah, that's interesting, but that's their, their perspective. It's not really what's there in the biblical text. You know, it's, and it, I, I love the, the two parallel tracks that are on here that we're talking about, because like you said, I mean, for some people, this is the starting point. It It, it is the the Bible is hard to read. It's hard to understand. You can't you you can't get into the story because it just seems this outlandish. Um, but you need a starting point. So, like music, sometimes will do this. For me, it was Handel's Messiah. You know these passionate Bible passages in the King James. You know, right? Um, but it it brought it to life. You know, I know that my Redeemer lives, or worthy is a Lamb who is slain. That's impacted my life in profound ways, and yet. I don't know what the angels actually sound like when they sing Worthy as a Lamb or All the Saints Do. It might be a completely different song, but it's cool that you get a starting point there. And I'm reminded um, that, you know, as you're talking about, you know, 80, 82 and your 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 class is someplace else, that if you're listening to this podcast and you're 22, 23 years old, 
um, you got to You just got to get started. The, right. this, this promise that as you reread and you reread and you reread and you, you continue to marinate in it and you come back to these passages for the 10th time, it's amazing how there's something new in it. Every time I come back to God's word, it's more nuanced. It's deeper than I could have ever, but I could not know that at 22. And you can't, if you're listening in at 22, you can't know a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about or that Pastor Pete's talking about. I can't understand it because I'm not there yet. Right. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, sitting in these classrooms, just being overwhelmed by the stories that the professors would tell as they, as they talked about ministry. Yeah. And when you first get out, you get no stories. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so hard. Um and now I'm I'm at that point where it's like, yeah, I think an awful lot of people listen to me and go, wow, you know, you've got all kinds of stories. You know, there, there's there's hardly a Bible passage that I read that I, you know, oh, that reminds me of a story, you know. Right, right. Well, that's just, that's just time. And I always love to remind people when you're thinking about understanding God's word better, and this is true whether it's. Uh, a layperson or a seminary graduate, the the question is never, do I know God's word better than somebody else? The question is always, do I know God's word pe- better today than I did yesterday? Mm-hmm. Then I can be, uh, I, I'm winning. Every time I open up the Bible, I'm winning. I'm, I'm getting to know a little bit more uh, because uh, it, it's not a competition with somebody else. It's just, yeah. I want to keep on growing. And that has that has helped helped me overcome the natural tendency to make comparisons. Yep. Which will defeat you if you do it, because there's always right. somebody who knows way more than you know. Right. Yeah. Right. And and is always better at, at something than you are. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really grateful that you you went here because I want to I want to circle back because I think this is an important point. I, I love that in the field of meteorology, we're trying to tell them be careful of the commentary. A model is is a commentary. It's not that it's not helpful. It's absolutely helpful. In fact, it's it's oftentimes essential for us to grow into well, what does that little radar thing over here in, in Rapid City, South Dakota mean for me in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Well, I don't know that until I see the models. But over time, you have enough experience with, oh, I've seen that before. And I I know stories of how that evolved here into the north or here into the south. Right. But then when we read God's word. Because this is uh, um, with with Awaken Alive with the group, a number of them have commentary Bibles, and so a lot of times I'm trying to start from that standpoint of don't cheat, don't read the commentary. I want you to see what you see, and I love that. In is for us as what uh, our Wells pastors that this is actually part of what we're trying to help you do: see the original, see the data, see the. And and let that inform you first before you ever look into the commentary, because then the commentary will be its most useful because you own the information right. of what you read. That's so encouraging to hear that. Right. And and if I can go into just you know what else yeah. do we study? One Please. of the key things that we study is is church history. Hmm. And and the beauty of church history is there are very few things that you and I are struggling with that God's church hasn't struggled with in some way in the past. Uh, and to learn from the past uh, that, that, you know, people always say you're standing on the shoulders of, 
of, oh, of others. Yes. You know, and and I, you know, I I know so much because I was blessed by my professors who were blessed by their professors who were blessed by somebody who wrote a commentary a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, so the church history gives you that, that wealth of more experience, you know, that, that you are, you are blessed just to see, you know, your example of the rapid city. Somebody mm-hmm. else has said, Oh, I saw that. And oh, this looks a lot like what happened 300 years ago. And it, I pray it also gives us a sense of humility. You know, I, when I teach the, the membership Bible study and we talk about the doctrine of fellowship, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, that, that I don't believe that there are too many people out there in the world who said, I'm going to lead God's church astray. Right, right. That God's church people saw a challenge, came up with a solution, and it had consequences and implications that they didn't fully understand. And an awful lot of false teachings can be brought back to somebody reacting to a problem. Right. And that gives, you know, that gives me a a great sense of humility. Doesn't that sound, I'm kind of bragging about my humility, Uh, but. uh, My huge humility. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But, but it, it does get, put my heart in the right place. Yeah. That is, as we make decisions today and as we make interpretations today, that we have a sense of humility that 50 years from now, there will be brothers and sisters in Christ if the world lives this long, that some of our decisions, they will just say, wow, that was great. That was farsighted. God be praised. And some of our decisions, they'll go, what were they thinking? Right. Right. You know, because we do the same thing. We look back at some of the decisions 50 years ago and go, dude, bad. Wow, great. Same thing will happen to us. It's uh, that piece of things is interesting, too. Again, depending on on how old you are listening into this podcast, I, I always think it's really interesting, like the story of Moses, you know, and he gets up to be about 40 years. It's kind of 40, 40, 40, you know. Mm-hmm, I remember mm-hmm. another, uh, another well known um, singer songwriter. Jason Ingram talking about the 40 that something happens when you get there, you've lived enough life to, uh, to have your pride checked. Um, and you start becoming more humble. And it's, it's one of the things that's been interesting to me, like, uh, talking with some of the older saints, the you know, some of the guys who are retired and just, you know, some of these people I knew to be pretty fiery people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now I listen to them talk and there's a softness, and there's a humility that exists that I really, I, I think just really does come with age and like what you're talking about right. that you start to realize um, um, like I'm old enough to have, a, you know, adult kids and they can tell me the ways that I've messed up and the hurt that it's caused. And it's really, really hard to swallow that. Um, but I'm grateful because it, it starts to humble me then into ministry, you know, be right. careful of my confidence and you know that I, my confidence is put in the right place but i've also you know i can be a bit of a people pleaser so i'm thinking about how am i going to make that people happy 50 years from now and it's like some of that you can't and so i i appreciate what you you've shared this story with me before just it's let me be able to dream 
knowing that God will use, but do what do whatever we have right now, make the best possible decision we can based on the word of God mm-hmm. and let the application be what it's going to be, knowing that oftentimes another generation comes to own the church of the future by fixing the mistakes or the things that are out of touch with what we put in place. We worked our butts off to do this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, this doesn't count anymore, but it's actually good because it gives them the ability to get their hands in and make it something, you know? And another beautiful thing about church history is to remember it's God's church. Mm. Amen. To and that. Take the pressure, take the pressure off. Sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves, but it's God's church. Uh, you know, my dad once told me that the cemetery is filled with people that the world can't live without. Uh, you know, you know, that, that, that now, uh, the, you know, the people that just were absolutely instrumental in the history of God's church a hundred years ago, they've been in the grave for a long time and God's church has continued. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, God use us now. Uh, but everything doesn't depend on us. Right. It's God's church, and God's church will continue after we're long gone. Mm-hmm. And as, okay, it's God's church. Take the pressure off. There is a challenge for probably about half the people who are listening. Maybe not listening to this podcast because if you're listening to a podcast, you probably like context and information and learning stuff. So if you're listening, it's probably isn't quite you. But there's a lot of people um, who. It's it's hard to sit through history, you know. I think we both run into this. I'm a storyteller, and sometimes it's Mike. Would you just please be quiet and sing the song? You know, if you could just do that, we'd be out of here a little bit earlier. I know you get that as a pastor. I get that as a as a lecturer from time to time. It's like I get so excited about this stuff that I think you all need to know. Um, I'm just kind of curious. Do you, do you guys talk a little bit? I mean, that history is so important. I my my old history teacher filled with so many stories. It was awesome. But he was he was a guy, and I know plenty of people have said it before and since, but if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. You know, you always mm-hmm. hear that part of things. Right. And history is also this rich blessing, but we don't have a lot of time for this. Um, I'm curious to see if if you're if you've got these two people, one who loves history like you and me, and one who struggles to stay patient, how how do we meet in the middle? I'm just kind of curious because this is a challenge for me sometimes. How do we invite a person who struggles with context in history to stay with us? And how do we get the things that matter most in? <laughs> and this is probably so the, the person that you can change is only yourself, right? Mm. So uh, since you and I have you you've talked about us our similarities, what yeah. can we do? What can we do to recognize that? All the great, exciting stuff that we see, not everybody needs to know. Mm. And that we need to be much more selective. What's really moving the story forward? Ooh. You know, um, and that will help our brothers and sisters who really don't like as much context. That will help them. And it will make us better communicators. You know, and, and honestly, what can the person who really doesn't like context in history my guess is that, that they 
you know, they, they are asking, Lord, grant me humility to say, uh, this is really not something that I enjoy, but I, I'm, I'm going to open my ears and try to hear something that will be helpful. And maybe for them, I would say, um, listen for the one thing. So, so this is, this is, this is from, a you know, context again, uh, listening to a radio program many, many years ago where he was talking about, should I go to a, this financial uh, planning conference? It cost me $500. And the, the host on the radio said, if you get one good idea out of it, it'll be worth your $500. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to think about as you're, as you're reading the Bible, as you're listening to sermons, as, as you're listening to us go on and on about context, um, Lord, help me, help me hear one thing that I can walk away with. I can't, I'll never remember all the sermon. This is what I love to tell, tell, uh, parents with little kids too. It's like, I don't know why I go to church. All I do is I wrestle with my kids. You know, it's like, if you get just one thing and maybe it's just one hymn tune or one song that, that a little phrase catches you and blesses you, that makes it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Some days you'll get more, but some days if I just get a little nugget, I'm happy. I appreciate that. You know, I'm thinking back to I'm I'm usually been a, a a push the envelope kind of person, move a little bit faster. And so there are times when God's had to sit me in time out and just say, You need to listen. And I, you know, it's like, well, I I I mean, 49-year-old Mike has learned to listen in a way that 39-year-old Mike couldn't couldn't do, in part because God has sat me down and I've been forced to have to wrestle with some of these things. And maybe that just again it comes with maturity, but I, I think that it's really important because as you're as you're talking about the training of a pastor, you've got language, and that requires time and effort, and then you've got history. That's context, and like you said, you you know you're blessed to have the the guys who have stories to help you start to see and give you a, a foreshadow an outcome that you'll have later on in your ministry, but you don't have right now. So now you have to borrow somebody else's stories until you get your own. <laughs> How many of us have, have quoted stuff that Tim Keller has said, or, you know, another, any other Deutschlander church fathers right. that, right. Um, so this context piece of things is, is, uh, is really important. I, I'm wondering how, how do you, from the training standpoint, and I'm thinking you're, your seminary time up through your first five to 10 years. How do you hone that skill? What's the mentorship look like in our, our church body today to help our guys get there? This is where we've come a long, long way in our church body. When I graduated, uh, I started a mission congregation and this was before we had mission counselors. And, and basically it was uh, my neighboring pastor uh, showed me how to run the mimeograph. Yes, I had to use a mimeograph. Uh, and and uh, said, here's here's the list of members, and go get them. And, and yeah, you know, and and uh, it was more than that. But that's looking back, that's kind of how I felt. Um, but now they have uh, assigned mentors. Uh, they're really trying to focus more on continuing education. One of the blessings of technology now is 
is, you know, people that you're close to in the seminary. I, I think that that more of our pastors and teachers and staff ministers stay connected with people that they grew spiritually with mm. now that they're out in ministry because it's so much easier, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, zooming and, and, and uh, we're more mobile and, and uh, you know, there's just more context. You, you can, you can do a Bible. I know people who do Bible studies like we do at our men team that they, they do it via zoom and they're, they're zooming with guys all over the country, but they, this is what they've been doing for the last 10 years, you know, for five years, you know, through college and seminary, and, and now they're just continuing it. So I think there's there's a lot more support that way, a lot more emphasis on we need to continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm encouraged by, I'm very encouraged by that. Um, I think the challenge for us as a church body uh, is that we... You know, it's always hard to find that good middle ground of we need to be good theologians. But if we become such good theologians, then we are not good uh, people who understand other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as I look at God's church outside of our denomination, uh, I see, you know, churches whose pastors are probably much better evangelists, mm -hmm. much better communicators to people who don't know Jesus at all, because they have not been so immersed as we have and kind of lived in a cocoon for a while mm -hmm. uh, through our college and seminary years. Um, and I just say that to, to encourage us sometimes, again, with this idea that, that let us be thankful uh, even though we may not be able to join and work church work with other church bodies mm -hmm. to be thankful that, that they have niches of ministry that, that they're probably better at than we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe we are the, the salt that uh, can keep, you know, Hey, don't forget this truth. Right. Uh, but very often what I find is some of the people who have had the most, difficult backgrounds who didn't know Jesus at all. They actually came to faith through some other church. Yeah. And then we got to be the teaching church. Yeah. And just to recognize, okay, this is, this is all part of God's plan too. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you went there. Um, I was going to ask the question of the challenges that, you know, again, when you talk about different denominations, uh, some of this comes from the, the emphasis of training and not, mm -hmm. Other denominations, um, uh, the language piece of things is not as emphasized. Like you said, they they emphasize a different skill, and mm -hmm. so you you lose some of something when you do that, you know. But on the flip side, I, my experience is I would agree that we are a teaching church. We are we care about context. We those creeds um, were written because the church wrestled with hard things then. And, uh, you know, a hundred years go by and there's another thing. And uh, all of a sudden another church father writes something and it, so we've got that, but then oftentimes we'll struggle with, like you said, making a dent on reaching people that don't know Jesus or who are different from us. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like uh, it, I've used this analogy. Um, it's, it's a lot like if you've ever taken a trip um, particularly in Denver, you know, in Colorado, 
you know, you you kind of get to the foothills. The plains are slowly, slowly sloping up. So you wouldn't even know, hardly notice it. You know, your car, your gas mileage goes goes mm-hmm. down when you're driving west. And then as you get a little bit, that, that climb gets a little bit steeper. And then eventually you wind up into the mountains. Uh, from the mountains, you can see a whole lot farther. But you can't go from sea level to getting way up at the peak. I was in Ecuador last year, and that was interesting, where you're flying from sea level basically in Milwaukee. And by the time we land in Quito, we're 9,000 feet up, and everybody's warning us, watch out for altitude sickness, because you can't go down. You're at the lowest part at 9,000 9, feet. And and how uh, – so for so many people, there are – there is sometimes a gradual slope – to connecting to the tr- greater truths and the greater vision. And I've oftentimes mm-hmm. thought like for us in our church body, in part because of the the training that you guys have, there's an expectation, there's a context, there's, there's a richness. Um, but a lot of people need a, a way to get there. And oftentimes it's, it's through another part of Christianity that we would struggle with, we would wrestle with, but I love that Paul teaches whether they're preaching it for their own gain or they're preaching it for the kingdom, it all works. God is, God's using all of it. And Mm. you know, how do we help people? And and so I'm grateful that our church body is where it's at to be a teaching church. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, Randy mentioned that, uh, 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 I, Driving to the, the bridge MKE, our satellite site, very often I'm driving in the middle of the morning on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I get to drive by about 10 churches. Right. And and Randy mentioned that one time I said, oh, I'm so thankful that I see the cars in the parking lot. And he said, you know, I never really thought about that. But because, okay, there's there's Christians worshiping there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not worshiping with us, and, and there's things we disagree with in that church. But I'm just thankful that God's people are in worship, and wherever God's Word is taught, people are going to be coming to faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just to, it, it allows us to, to celebrate. Uh, I think sometimes we, we are, in our church body, struggle to celebrate the victories of God's greater church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're not victories that happen within our own church body. That's okay. You know, there are victories that are happening in our church body too, but we can celebrate the Holy Spirit. Wherever the word is taught, the Holy Spirit is worth. Yeah. And one of them, and I appreciate the way that you said it is I, I've, I've, I've sometimes thought of this and I have to be careful that I don't think about this arrogantly, like I'm on the right side and then there's all those other people, but, but there is something about salt, you know, um, uh, I think it even was uh, it was Tim Keller who other people have said that that he noted our church body mm-hmm. and the truth of God's word that that we stand on. And if we could ever figure out how to be even truly evangelical about it, that this is a sleeping giant of a little church body, um, we have to be careful not to get arrogant or proud on those things. Um, but that that picture that God God can use us to be the salt in part, and I'm going to go just we'll we'll do this and then we'll wrap up, but. But the importance of our seminary, that as it seems to me, and I don't know this for sure, I, I've just these are commentaries that I've read, um, but as I've read them, that as the seminary steps further and further away from acknowledging it as the truth of God's word or 
parts of the Bible as God's word and some things are just allegory or whatever, that as a seminary steps away, it may be a period of time or maybe a couple of generations, but so goes that church body. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful um, for what it is that you have when it comes to language and, and church history. They seem to be very important things. Care to comment and, on that? Yeah, and, and before we started, uh, we were talking about how sometimes we can be frustrated that our pastors don't have all the the skills necessary. Yeah, right. And how come we don't have this class at the seminary and that class at the seminary? Right. Uh, and and ultimately, um, what we're trying to train is uh, people who are ready to go out into the world uh, with a good spiritual foundation, and then they grow and mature from there. Yeah. Uh, and some of the things they'll just go, oh, I don't have that skill, uh, but I see somebody, a lay person has that skill, and 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 I appreciate it. Um, but very often there is a pressure uh, become much more practical. There mm-hmm. are some seminaries that are called, actually called practical seminaries. Hmm. We're just getting you ready to, to teach a class, to preach a sermon, uh, to do counseling, uh, and we want to be uh, a church body that is firmly founded on God's word and trust that uh, pastors will continue to grow and there will be areas of expertise that will become clear to them that maybe just wouldn't be clear at 25, 26 when they graduate. But 10 years down the road, you go, I think this is my passion, and I know a whole lot more about it than I did when I graduated. You know, one of the there's a couple of takeaways for me in all of this, but I we, we're not going to go here today because we don't have the time. But we, we were talking off air just a little bit about you know the the, the blessing and the tension that exists between pastoral le- later, leadership and lay lay leadership, right? But what other things as you've been talking, and I'm just thinking through my my career in meteorology is that. Fundamentally, we actually have some exceptionally closely mirrored experiences. You know, as you're reading uh, language, I'm having to to learn the language of math equations. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're talking about church history, I have to do research. As you're talking about, be careful of the context. um, Know know your observations before you jump into the uh, the context uh, the models. That that is there, and then what is it that we're trying to do for both our undergraduates and our graduates? It's giving them a skill set and some experience, but in particular, it's a way of thinking, and so that so that you can then apply your your gift set to where you're going. You're laughing. I love it. I'm laughing because <laughs> yeah, a way of thinking uh, somewhere along the line a seminary prof or or college prof said, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to uh, wear ruts in your, in your mind so deep that you won't jump out. Yeah. You know, so that we are trying to uh, help form a biblical way of thinking, a biblical worldview. Yeah. uh, So that you are prepared for the challenges that we can't foresee. Right. You know, Nobody can nobody can be prepared for every challenge uh, 
when they graduate from the seminary in their 20s or yeah. what they're going to face in their 60s. Nobody no. knows. Yep, right. Yeah, I like that. Maybe we'll 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 come back to this thought when we uh when we do that one of pastors and and lay leaders and stuff yeah. and and that because it's, I I just I as I'm listening I'm just I'm just kind of laughing inside. It's like oh my goodness, um, because I, I came from the university section sector and and I'm laughing because the university operates almost exactly the way that the synod operates. It's the same thing. I've actually been getting trained for 15 years on how to work within this within this organizational thinking and this way of reality and here it is you know your education process now what you do obviously is different but mm-hmm. it's a way for us to connect and, and have empathy for one another which is where we i think we probably want to go at some point when we talk talk that next topic so, sounds good sounds good hey uh, I, and just again i want to come come back to this is one of if you're if you kind of came in you've been fast forwarding you're like all right they're gonna wrap up and say something that I liked what you said about the context piece of things that you guys have the opportunity to go through language and that, that commentary. um, I think a lot of us as, as people who are not trained pastors um, really like reading commentaries almost sometimes more than um, the book. In fact, the sermon is basically a commentary, Uh, a devotional is a commentary and we in, we can get caught up not reading our Bibles and reading the commentaries and and it's there's a fundamental challenge with that and it's really important for you and i i love your picture of not having a a commentary bible just having the bible and just so you can read just the bible and let god reveal himself to you in his word rather than through commentary so i thought that was really important that you brought out so thank you for that all right any closing comment that was a good summary. I'm All good right. with that. Go find your picture. Uh, I'm really curious to see. You, please text me a picture of it because if I can drop it in, I want to drop it into the uh, the show notes at the end of the end of this. Anyway, hey, uh, I'm Mike Westendorf. This is Pastor Pete Panitsky. This is great questions, great conversations. It's a podcast talking about all kinds of things having to do with Christianity and going in some depth in many different directions that you never quite are sure where we're going. Neither are we, but it's a joy to be able to do it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you guys again next week. Thank you.